You know, it is funny. We think that it seems that God speaks to the important people. At least that's what pastors always want to tell us, that God speaks to us and then he tells you and, and you ought to listen to us. But it's, but it's interesting that when God starts doing a mighty work, he doesn't seem to talk to those who you would think everybody would talk to. He doesn't talk to the religious leaders. As we've gone through this time of the um, various Advent things, we've taken a look at the forerunner of, of the Messiah, John, and that was told to an old man and an old woman who were barren and had no children, and that the forerunner would come. And then to a virgin, the angel spoke to her saying that, that a child shall be born of the Holy Spirit conceived by that. And again, it was this young woman. And then because of Joseph being a righteous man and having been espoused to Mary and not wanting to disgrace her, was going to secretly divorce her, and the angel appeared and said, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because the child conceived is of the Holy Spirit. And so in each of these cases, it hasn't been talked to about the righteous people. It hasn't been the, the religious leaders. It's been, if you will, average people like you and me. And so now there's come a time that, that, Mary's pregnancy has come to full term, but there has been an event that has superseded that. And it says in Luke chapter 2, Now in those days a decree went out from the Caesar Augustus that the census be taken of the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the family of David. In order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. And while they were there, the days were completed for the for her to give birth. So I want to I want to stop there. While God has been dealing with average people, people that no one would necessarily pay attention to, God is also in charge of governments. Because the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem. They were living in Nazareth. So God says, I'm going to come up with a plan to get the Messiah to be born, not in Nazareth, but in Bethlehem, as it was foretold, because that's where he was to be born. And so Caesar Augustus, the most powerful human on the earth at that time, in essence, was directed by God to conduct a census so that Mary, who happened to be pregnant at that very moment, had to go to Bethlehem to register for the census. So while God works in our individual lives when he wants to accomplish his purposes, even government cannot stand in his way. And it goes, and she gave birth to a firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloth 
and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, I want to stop there. Um, a manger, a lot of people used to think a manger was like the, the barn or whatever. No, a manger was a feeding trough. She wrapped him in cloth and placed him in a feeding trough. Now, can you imagine putting your baby in a feeding trough, let alone the Son of God? And you'll hear people say, well, they were homeless. No, they weren't. They lived in Nazareth and were required to go to Bethlehem to report for a census. They weren't homeless. It would be like you and me having to go to San Diego, and when we get there, all the motels were full. So we had to find someplace else to stay because we had to be there for, for an event. So it wasn't that they were poor and homeless. There were so many people in Bethlehem because of the census. That's where Jesus was reborn. He came from a lowly place. He was not lowly. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out at night with their flocks and keeping watch over their flocks by night. Thank you. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to him, to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Again, notice that God doesn't announce this birth to the religious leaders. He announced it to a bunch of shepherds who were working. Now, far be it for me to approve or disapprove of what God does. But I think it's kind of fitting that he announced it to shepherds. Why? Because David was a shepherd boy. And this child was a child, the son of David, the son of man, the son of God. And so as David was a simple shepherd boy who became king, here we have the son of God in a manger, laying in a manger, announced the shepherds, this new king. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. We went from a simple angel making a statement which caused fear and trembling to the shepherds to a whole host of angels glorifying God and praising him. That must have been a miraculous and awesome sight. Oftentimes when we celebrate Christmas, we are so busy that we forget why he came. He didn't come to make us feel good. He didn't make us fun 
come to say, oh, I identify with you. He came because he is the Messiah. And can you think of a better way of identifying a child who is the Messiah to a bunch of shepherds than to say, don't look in the Ritz-Carlton, but go look in a place, in a barn where they're feeding animals and keeping them out of cold at night. You'll find that baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. That one, that'll be him. Now, unfortunately, for many of us, we just said, oh, that's a one. Wasn't that amazing that all these angels came and they were praising God. They told us about the son of God and who's it's good news for all the people. But we got to get back to work. That's, isn't that what we do? Well, it's, it's not time to take off yet. So I'll hang around here and, and maybe I'll find time later. But this is such good news that they said this. When the angels had gone away from them, up into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem and there we'll see this king, this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So automatically they make, take action. They say, we heard it. Let's go see for ourselves. What joy they would have missed if they'd have just said, no, we got to watch the sheep. Now, I've never had to watch sheep. I've, I've watched some TV programs where people have, have had sheep. But I've been a pastor. Sheep is not necessarily all that great to hang around with. Because they do their own thing. They wander around. They get in trouble. They said, no, no, let's, we heard of this story. Let's go see for ourselves. So they came in a hurry, they came in a hurry because they knew this was something not out of the ordinary. This was something spectacular because angels had announced it and glorified God and said that the Messiah, the Christ was here. Let's go see. So they went in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told to them about the child. And all who heard it wondered at these things which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. Now I want you to, to see them. Mary is a thinker. Every time something happens, she ponders it. She thinks about it. She appreciates it because you, you need to know God hadn't been announcing this to the world. He announced it to a couple of old people. He announced it to a, a spouse couple. He's now announced it to shepherds. But in each of those cases, angels have delivered messages. And it's reaffirming their faith of exactly who this child is. Because these people, and these angelic beings, keep reinforcing who Jesus is. But also said, 
all those around. Now, most people think, not, and I humbly say that they're wrong, most people think it's the wise men who are around. I don't, I don't think so. Uh, if you come to the service tomorrow, I'll tell you why. Uh, little tease. Which tells me there were more people who didn't find room at the inn than Mary and Joseph and the baby. There were other people there. And these other people heard testimony about this child. And again, we are to be witnesses. Witnesses of what we've seen and what we've heard. You don't need to be a witness of what I've seen and heard. And I don't need to be a witness of what you've seen and heard. But we are to witness what God has been doing in our lives. Mary takes all these things to heart. And the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told to them. Again, notice they had the double blessing of hearing and of seeing. All too often, people are content with one or the other. And most people would stop at that point on the Christmas story. But I don't want to stop there because what follows is, is important. And so it says, when eight days had passed before the circumcision, his name was given, he was called Jesus. The name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Just as John had been named before he was conceived, so was Jesus named before he was conceived and his parents on this earth complied with the command of name Jesus. Jesus, that's the Greek form. Yeshua, we would call him, if you will, the Savior, the one who comes in the name of the Lord. He is the one. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And so they comply with the law and they circumcise him on the eighth day. And when the days for their purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him up into Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn that has opened the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So basically what they're saying is they're not rich they're not a rich couple. And they also were in Jerusalem because of the law requiring them to present the baby to the Lord after the days of purification from Bethlehem. So as a result, their offering was the minimum offering of a turtle dove, uh, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So they present that offering acknowledging that the firstborn is the Lord. There was a man in Jerusalem. His name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. So we see this man who's in the temple. He's religious. He's devout. 
And the Holy Spirit is on him. So he's, if you will, almost unique. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he had a promise from God that he would see the Messiah. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. I want to stop there. He came in the Spirit in the temple. How many times when we come to church, do we come to church dragging, tired, not wanting to be there, hoping to get a blessing when we're done, hoping that one of the, the worship songs will strike a chord in our heart and we'll have this feeling, and or the pastor might, on one occasion at least, say something that applies to me that I can change my life. And what he did, he came in the spirit. Can you imagine what our churches would be like? You didn't wait for the spirit to show up until after you got there. But that you were in the spirit when you came to church. Boy, if that happened, I bet people would actually believe Jesus rose from the dead. So he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you're releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. The Holy Spirit revealed that this child was that child, the Messiah. No one had to tell him. No one had to give him stories about what was going on. The Holy Spirit directed him who this child was. And notice he was saying, God, you can take me now. Because you've been faithful. You told me that I would not die until I see this child, and I've seen him. And he's not just me. He's a light for all the people and the glory of your people, Israel. And his father and mother were amazed at these things, which were saying about him. Notice all these individuals, all these people, Announcing to him. It's not Mary saying, you know, Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. It's not the shepherds came and said, you know, this kid we saw. No. Each and every individual, the Holy Spirit and the angels have announced who he is. Notice I say who he is, not who he was. They were amazed. And Simeon blessed them. And said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed. And a sword will, be, will pierce even your own soul to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And in essence, how people feel and believe about Jesus are revealed. There will be those in his life will ignore him. There will be those in his life who will say, crucify him. There will be those in his life who say, he's crazy. 
There'll be those in their life who want to believe and want to confess, but because of fear, they don't. And it sounds the same as today. We haven't much changed. And he's telling Mary, there's going to come a time when this little baby, something will happen that will be like a piercing of a sword into your own soul. And that will happen at the crucifixion. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. And she was advanced in years. And she lived for seven years with her husband during marriage. And then as a widow to the age of 84, she never left the tent for serving night and day with fasting and prayer. Speak of someone who's dedicated to God. She serves the Lord constantly all of those years. And at that very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him to all those who are looking for the redemption of Israel. Here's this old lady, this old prophetess, who just hangs out at the temple. And she announces to them who this child is, that he is the one we've been looking for, the redemption of Israel, the redemption of Jerusalem, and if you will, our redemption. During this time, people want to talk about peace on earth. They want to talk about joy. They want to talk about love. They want to talk about hope and faith. All of those are found in a person named Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah. There's no wonder this world does not have peace. Because Jesus says, my peace I give you. Paul tells us it's a peace that surpasses all understanding. He gives us joy. He gives us hope. He gives us faith. Gives us love. Gives all of these things to us. And we can never outgive God. All too often. And, and, and as I point a finger this way, there's three fingers pointing back at me. We're, we're so busy buying gifts for everybody because this is a time of gift giving and, and whatever. And there was an example set. God gave us gifts. It's called Jesus. Wise men gave him gifts. Sometimes we get so busy in the shopping. We forget the gift already given to us. For unto you 
this day has been born a Savior named Jesus the Lord. He's our Savior. If he's our Savior, then he's our Lord. And if he's our Lord, we are to do what he told us to do. And he's told us that we're to teach what he has taught. We're to make disciples. We're to baptize them. We are to be salt and light in this world. We're to love as he loved. We're to forgive as he forgave. Huh. Hard enough just to forgive, but to forgive as he's forgiven. And so when we conclude this, we're going to be lighting candles. But it's not a candle of a prayer, not a candle of hope, the candle of a statement that his light is burning in my soul. And I'm taking that light to the world because there is great joy and it is a revelation of light to the whole world. I'm grateful on this premises. We have people who speak English. We have people who speak Spanish. We have people who speak Vietnamese. We have people who speak languages I probably don't know about. Sharing the good news in each language. Because it's a good news story for all the people, not just some of us, not just the good, not just the saintly, but for all of us. And if you think you're too unimportant for God to use, then think about Zechariah, think about Elizabeth, think about Mary, think about Joseph, think about Simeon, think about Anna, think about the shepherd. None of those people were held in high esteem or rich. But God used them to accomplish his purposes. And his purposes may be great in your life or may be small in your life. But it's his purposes that we share. And this baby will grow up. And will teach by word and by deed. But he will demonstrate his love for us. And that while we're yet sinners, he died for us. But the story doesn't end there. He rose again. And he is the Messiah. He is the Christ. And he shall reign forevermore. He did not come here to make Democrats or Republicans in charge. He came here to establish his kingdom. And that should be our responsibility as well, to establish his kingdom here on earth. And the way we do that is to share his story to others. And all God's people say, Amen.